Hello, this is Kurt Frankum, and many of you know me as the host of the Leading Saints podcast. But Leading Saints isn't just a podcast. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we strive to create quality leadership content for Latter-day Saints in order to help them be better prepared to lead. With this mission comes a lot of expense, and we need additional help to continue our efforts in the coming year. In order to exchange value for value, we have created the Core Leader Community. To become a core leader, all you have to do is become a subscribing donor, which might be a monthly recurring donation or even a quarterly or yearly donation. For those who become a core leader through a subscription donation, you have access to our core leader library, which includes additional recorded interviews not available to the general audience, access to all virtual summits, discounts on products and conferences, and access to a private CoreCast feed where you will hear additional leadership thought and behind the scenes happenings. We are a community of leaders making this happen, and we need you a part of this mission. Text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to become a core leader today, or visit leadingsaints.org donate. All right, you're about to start your jog. You got your head, headphones in, your shoes tied, ready to go. Well, I wish you the best and stay with it. This is Kurt Frankum with the Leading Saints podcast. I welcome you back. If you're new to Leading Saints and if you're new to exercising, good for you. You should do that more. But Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. One way do we do that is through this podcast, and uh, which is, I think, I don't know by the time we publish this, but we are right there at passing the 3 million download mark and uh, wowza. I could not have anticipated this type of growth, but it's uh, pretty cool. So again, if you're new, you're adding to that 3 million download pot, which is awesome. And uh, we encourage you to check out our website at leadingsaints.org where there's even more articles. And also the newsletter. If you're not receiving the weekly newsletter, I always aim to get it out on Tuesday, but sometimes it comes out on Thursday. So be it. But we put out even additional leadership thought there and keep you up to date with all things being published through Leading Saints so that uh, you don't miss any important content as it may relate to your calling or to your leadership circumstance. So definitely go to leadingsaints.org slash subscribe and put your email address in there and uh, join the adventure. So in this episode, is a really this is, a, this is a cool one because we are partnering with Lifestar Counseling in Salt Lake City. And if you're not familiar with Lifestar, they are a phenomenal, world-renowned, and they're seriously world-renowned as far as it comes to sexual addiction, pornography addiction, in not just for Latter-day Saints, but it's very popular and well-known for Latter-day Saints. Very well spoken of, and just, uh, they're awesome. They have years and years of helping people through a sexual-related addiction and uh, a huge, awesome track record. Uh, typically, you'll see these individuals, you know, when the church puts out some type of uh, video or resource about uh, pornography or the struggles with pornography, they will, you'll see some of the, the Lifestar people there. And one of those people being Todd Olson. And he's one of the people that we interview in this, in this interview, along with Steve Shields, who is, you've, you've probably, Steve Shields has been on the podcast before telling his story of recovery. And now he is a uh, He's become a therapist and uh, in the game of, of helping people and, and passing on the, the rich resource that Lifestar has provided him. He's uh, part of Lifestar, helping that pass that forward. And what we're doing with Lifestar is we are putting together a somewhat regular workshop or we're calling it a leadership live. 
where we go to their offices. We welcome people to attend if you're here in the Salt Lake Wasatch Front area, if you'd like to attend in person. And then we'll also record it, either stream it or record it for later viewing and then create a, a library. And what we're doing is basically the, the counselors there for any Latter-day Saints, especially those leaders who are helping individuals through a struggle with pornography or sexual addiction of some type or sexual compulsivity. Anybody who's ministering to those types of people, they can uh, come to this resource, learn more about how to be a better leader or minister in these contexts, and uh, and answer their questions. And then they're going to invite people who've maybe gone through recovery and give their perspective on how their parents or leader or bishop helped them through that or didn't help them, and and how we can maybe dodge some of those uh, pitfalls that we run into as you know well-intentioned leaders trying to do our best, but sometimes we we don't help when we mean to help, right? So. The first one that uh, we're going to do is going to be on June 3rd. Now, I realize uh, as I record this, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 thing, right? But uh, it's slowly opening up. Utah's, I think, at an orange rating, or is it yellow? I don't know what it is at this point. But anyways, we're opening up, and regardless of, of where it's at, we will, of course, abide by any rules and regulations there, You know, limiting it to the certain amount of people we're allowed to have, and we'll keep good social distancing and whatnot. But Anyways, we're going to talk about some of these principles that will be discussed in these Leading Saints Live events uh, with Livestar. And uh, there's going to be phenomenal counselors there to guide us through this. And it's just going to be awesome. And we'll, we'll talk more about this in this episode. So let's just jump into it. And then we'll make sure if you do want to be a part of these, definitely join the newsletter because we're that's where we'll announce how to register for these. And again, you go to leadingsaints.org slash subscribe in order to Make sure you have a spot there or you make sure you don't miss when you can watch it online. So here's my interview with Todd Olson and Steve Shields. Today, I am in Murray, Utah with some of my very best friends. Oh, <laughs> Steve Shields and Todd Olson. How are you guys? Great. Hey, Kurt, thanks for being here. And it's good to be with you, too. Yeah. Well, and go ahead, Steve. I mean, just we're happy to meet with you at 2 a.m., Kurt. Hey, but, a little awkward, but we're here, you know. Anything for the mission. We're here. So now a lot of people listening to this, leaders and maybe others will hear a name like Lifestar and think, oh, yeah, I know those guys. And others may think, uh, I don't. So, Todd, give us some background on uh, your your organization here, your center. Sure. Yeah. It was 1989 when I met my first sex addict, just struggling with unwanted sexual behavior. And so I've been doing this since 1989. Wow. And there were so many people. It was before the internet. I was one years old, just to put that year in context. <laughs> right. And uh, I've seen a lot of things in those 30 years come and go, and some come and stay. But soon after, it became my total practice. It like it didn't take very long at all. So did you start out as a, as a therapist thinking, I will help with uh, troubled marriages or things like that? And yeah, I was a, a, I actually was a juvenile probation officer. And then I went to, I left there to go into private practice. And so I continued to specialize with adolescents and their families. And then one day I had a man come in and he, uh, he I really didn't know why he was coming, but after three months, of meeting with him and, and stress-related items, his marriage. He handed me a book, and it was on sexual addiction. And he said, here, are, I've, I've been interviewing for three months. I've been interviewing you for three months, and I want you to read this book and treat me. And I looked at the cover of that, and I go, well, you should see a specialist on that. I'm, I'm sure there's people out there. 
Nope, I've looked everywhere. I can't find anybody. I like you. Will you please read this and treat me? And that's that guy, he and his wife started me on a journey and it there's no looking back from then on. Yeah. So back then in the 80s, early 90s, I mean, obviously before the internet age, this was still an issue. I mean, sexual addiction was still an issue, but yeah. what, was it different then or how would you describe it? Yeah, it, it was... Uh, it was different. The, the access to pornography was adult bookstores mm-hmm. purchasing videos. And then, of course, the sex industry, the escorts and prostitution has been there forever. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of escalation from, you know, level one addictive behavior of looking at pornography, uh, compulsive masturbation going along with that. And it would increase. And so we would see a lot of people that would increase to acting out with other people. And then when the internet came, it was a tsunami. Yeah. It came. And it hasn't stopped, right? No. So the big change there. So two things happened in 2007. One, you couldn't spam people with porn anymore. So the main function of the porn industry was to fish for emails and then send you an email. Hey, Kurt, click on this link and come look at this. And so in 2007, they couldn't do that anymore. So also in 2007, they adopted the YouTube model of we're going to put it out there and it's going to be free and it's going to be super easy to find. And we're going to use that to start the funnel to pull people in. And so the explosion, right? And then also, if you remember when the iPhone came out, so we went from everyone having a home computer dialing up the internet and having to pay for it to everyone walking around holding the internet in their hand and getting it for free. Yeah. Yeah, and then that the tsunami grew and grew, right? Right. And yeah. so over time, over the years, you're you're you became that specialist. Your your office here. Yeah, I I think it was in within that first year. Mm. That's that became all I did. Mm. And uh, talking about in 2007 just made me think about that. So the internet came when 96 90, or yeah. I guess it was really picking up. You know, a more general mid 90s. Yeah. 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 And we, you see, so you talk to people when that internet came and they were so focused by that. I don't know if you remember, those of you who are too young won't, won't know this, but the lines on the monitor, it would slowly develop into a picture. Yeah. Yeah. Before it, it broadband, ta- right? It would, ta- it would take like five minutes, you know, I'm sure not that long, but sure seemed like it. And insert the dial up noise here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And then there's uh there's this picture that starts coming and people are looking at that and they think they've downloaded a person that's naked and it ends up being some person's arm or something, but it just became so addictive and uh, the chemistry of addiction, we've come a long way since then and understand what process addictions are way more than we used to. Yeah. And like Steve said, I mean, the barriers just shrunk and shrunk. You didn't have to go to the adult bookstore. You could you could get on your phone. You yeah. Know, that yep. In 2007, so one page of pornography, so like a piece of paper, mm-hmm. you know how we have reams of paper that are 500 sheets. In 2007, if you stack those on top of each other, it would be 15 miles high in 2007. As far as the pornography that was available? How, how, much, how many pages of pornography there were. Wow. Imagine what that is now. Oh, yeah. I mean- you just it's, you can't measure it. You I can mean, go to the moon probably and back. Yeah, like yeah, no, sure. it's crazy. So Steve, give us. I mean, we've had uh, you on the podcast several times, and uh, and you've told your story, but maybe just put it in the context of uh, you know, give us a, a roundabout explanation of your story, and then how you got connected with Lifestar. Yeah. So 
so Lifestar today, Lifestar is full service therapy clinic from intensives to individual therapies, couple. There's the uh, three phase program, which is for couples, kind of a guided program of, you know, addiction recovery to all sorts of different cool things, some online stuff. So, um, so for me that, you know, my journey is one of sexual addiction. And so I first came to Lifestar as a client and then in my process ended up starting Unashamed Unafraid, which is a nonprofit podcast mm-hmm. um, that Kirk mentioned. You should be subscribed. It's, that you should check it should out. Be required. So, uh-huh. well, so we record people's stories. So you can get on there and you can hear a couple stories, individual stories, people ask anonymous questions, kind of all that. So as I moved into kind of that mentoring people phase, I just, you know, more and more. And it, so that led me into wanting to change my career and become a therapist. Right. So now I'm here interning at Lifestar, be fully licensed in, I guess, August of 2020, whenever you listen to this and yeah. just doing it. So, so on your personal journey, like finding Lifestar, I'm sure you, there's, you know, you probably talked with several counselors or different people that, that seemed to help, but maybe Lifestar, there was a difference here as far as their approach. Yeah, totally. Just the, just the focus, right. And the experience. And so, and I think all counseling is that way, you know, like I, I don't do counseling with kids and, and I wouldn't like if someone were to come to me and be like, Hey, my eight year old just went through a bunch of trauma. Like there's people who are specialized in that and trained in that. And so counseling, you can do counseling for so many, I mean, every different mental, emotional health issue, there's probably now today a specialist for that. And so I think it's more of just kind of the, the focus and the context. And so that's, you know, it's, it's trauma and attachment. And, you know, there's reasons why people choose to look at porn. It's not just because I saw it and I'm addicted to it. And so just that focus of healing those things, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And this is why, you know, we, we hope to uh, partner more with Lifestar and just the various things you guys do here. I mean, cause it's, it doesn't make a difference. I mean, I hear about people, even, you know, Steve from Alaska, who's like, I live in Alaska. I traveled down here because Lifestar was here mm-hmm. or, and I hear that all the time, people in Idaho and others that that travel just to get this, this specialty. And there's, you sort of have branches or yeah. I don't know how you talk, how would you describe it? Yeah. Uh, so we, we uh, have a workbook series and a program that people go through that helps them stay on, on track and their recovery. And we, we were just having so many people coming throughout the country and Canada to get help. And we, I mean, that's what made us get into the IOP, the intensive outpatient program and so they'd come here and we'd put a program, but they didn't, we didn't have anywhere to send them back to. And so we started training therapists throughout the country. And right now there's about 30 clinics in the country and, and Canada that are, people are trained in the Lifestar method. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, regardless of where a leader is, if they are sort of, they're not sure, right? Because I hear from a lot of leaders say, we don't even have a, you know, a Latter-day Saint therapist in my area. You know, what do mm-hmm. I do? You know, make yeah. a call to Lifestar, go to the website, and then you can at least point them in the right direction. We can point them in the right directions. There's a lot of people that have been trained, especially in the last decade. Uh, there's some qualified folks and clinics out there that do a good job, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're all over the country, and we just need nowhere to look. Yeah. So Todd's cell phone number is? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> We'll put it right up up there. So, so one thing that we're planning to do, and Steve, you're you're going to help sort of spearhead this from the Lifestar side, and and uh, we're partnering with you here at Leading Saints. Is we want to create more dialogue, more information around helping leaders know where to go. You know how to, because just yesterday I went to lunch with a, a branch president, and uh, he said, I mean the the biggest thing I deal with is this is pornography struggles. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. 
I know that most leaders are out there and they're, they want to do a good job. They don't want to say the right thing. But on the counselor side, you hear a lot of horror stories about, wait, your bishop said what? Wait a minute. Your right. elders court president did what? Right. And bless their hearts. They're, they're trying they're And so the more dialogue and information we can maybe create around some of these topics and create a library, a recorded library, of this, it's, it's going to be helpful. So yeah. Steve, maybe explain, and then we'll launch into sort of giving you a flavor of some of the topics we're going to talk about, but explain the basic approach and what we are going to try to do here. Yeah, totally. So my neighbor got called as bishop. So in my ward, so he's, he's my bishop now. So we've had a lot of conversations in the front yard, you know, where, uh, he's like, okay, I'm new, you know, so what do I do? And I was like, Hey, this is going to be a big issue for you. So we're talking and then we're out there one day and he's like, so I know you're like, everyone in the world is addicted to porn. Cause that's like your world, you know? And he's like, but do you think like you have that worldview? Because like, that's kind of where you've been. And I said to him, I said, look, how many men had exposure to the internet? How many men had parents who really taught about sexuality? And, you know, we kind of put all those pieces together and stuff we kind of just talked about. And I said, so that's my reason why addiction is a huge problem. You give me a reason why it's not. And about three months later, he and I have a conversation. He's like, yep, it's a problem. Like, that's a problem. So you don't have <laughs> yeah. to go far as a church leader to find it, right? And there's a spectrum, right? Not everyone is having an affair. Not everyone's seeing prostitutes or whatever, but just the struggle with the spectrum. And it's been interesting talking to him and speaking with other bishops. Like, these are good people. And other church leaders, right? Young men's, young women's, right? Relief site presidents. Like, these are really good people. And the only, one of the biggest pieces that's missing is just the education piece. Mm-hmm. It's not that they couldn't do it. It's not that they don't want to do it. Like they just need someone to be like, hey, here. And so I had that, you know, with my bishop. I'm like, hey, here's some counselors. Like if someone comes to you, disclose, say this. And he was just like light bulb went on. He was like, dude, game changer. Thank you. And so I sit here with Todd and I'm like, Todd, like how many bishops need this? Like how many just need the, just the education and a context where they can ask questions? And so what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just reflecting back on my own experience as a, as a bishop, sometimes, like you said, I mean, I, I hesitate to use the word rarely, but from my experience, it wasn't like I had a, an, a person who'd been in an affair walking in every week, right? Though the, they had been there and I did uh, deal with those types of situations, you know, the person comes in, he's, you know, he's struggled with pornography, maybe he's in college and stress is high. And one night, you know, he slipped up. And so as a bishop, I think, okay, what we do here is we meet a few times. I'm going to put some hard accountability rules and sort of be your parole officer here. And after about uh, six weeks, uh, let's get you back on the sacrament, right? And what I've learned since then is like, there's so much going on here that more often than not, you do need to loop in at a professional counselor or therapist who can really make sure that this this innocent slip up on the internet isn't going to turn into more or going to be completely, he'll be relapsing on over and over and over again in his life to the point that he's so buried in shame, then who knows what's going to happen from there, right? So that's, is that the, sort of the typical thing you see, Todd? And then yeah. and what, what should we better understand just from the, I'm just thinking, let's just use the the 22-year-old newlywed in college coming in that's uh, struggling with the pornography, right. uh, acting out with pornography. Like what should we begin to start to think about in those, in that scenario? That he probably was doing that before he was married. Mm-hmm. And, and thought the marriage would fix it, right? Exactly, exactly <laughs> right. So this will all take care of itself when I get married. And so a lot of times those husbands have not told their wives anything they, and they haven't told their bishops much at all or just briefly like you just talked about. And so if we really understand what 
addiction is about. It's to help deal with pain and stress and challenges in life and balance people out. Well, marriage is not easy. And so what will happen with that guy is his acting out behavior with pornography or whatever his acting out method is will get worse and it will escalate. And then he's going to go, what is this all about? And then he doesn't dare tell her, his wife, mm-hmm. she'll be mad at me. She didn't know about this before. So I'll just say enough. And then he will just say enough to the bishop too. I think a good thing to to notice as a bishop is he's probably not telling you everything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean he's a bad person or anything like that. Or he's lying or right. intentionally lying, right? He doesn't dare tell you everything. It's too shaming. It's like, my life's over. No one would ever love me or accept me as I am. And so I'm going to guard that a little bit. No one's going to understand it. Yeah. And so then that then there's not a full disclosure of what really is happening. And it's going to keep happening. Yeah. That, that secret. It's kind of the, the lifeblood of keeping it going. Mm. And then he'll wake up and he'll go, instead of being 22, he'll be 45. Something will have happened. He will have gotten caught. Something will have disrupted. And then we will see him and his wife in here in phase one. So I look at my own story, right? I've met with a whole bunch of bishops along my journey. And I can think back and go, I'm like most addicts that I wasn't like, sweet, I totally want to be active in the church and live this dual life with addiction and do both my whole life. That'd be awesome, right? Like addiction is not fun. Like addiction does not pay. Like it's a, it's a terrible experience, like even for the addict. And so I think back and I go, man, if if the bishop I had when I was in a singles ward knew what Todd Olson knows right now, like my path would have been different mm-hmm. because I went to him and I was willing, just I didn't know anything about any of this. He didn't know anything about any of this. So we prayed, he filled me with hope and I walked out and just just a little bit of education with him. Like he doesn't, he didn't need a million hours to be an expert and neither does any other bishop or church leader, but just a little bit of education and a little bit of knowledge of where to go and resources could change that trajectory for that 22 year old. I mean, to use that example, if he gets interrupted at 22 and has some resources and engagement, some accountability that way for him to start recovery then instead of a, you know, I started, started recovery at 24 and a half and I was sitting in my men's group and like, they were like mad at me. They're like, we're all in our forties. Like, do you know what we would have done to be able to be like dealt with this 20 years ago? Like, yeah. dang. And so just that loss of, I'm like, man, these are, these addicts and their spouses are like really good people who love the Lord and like want to live like God centered, Christ centered lives. And they just don't know what to do. Then we have all these leaders out there who are amazing people who are giving their time freely to try and help people connect with Christ. And so it's like all the pieces are there. Just with a little education, we could get so much further. Yeah. And, and a good example of that from my personal experience is the, the concept of disclosure, because we see the bishop's office as the office of disclosure. That's where we confess, right? And I remember as a, a 28-year-old bishop with a, a dynamic marketing degree, here, here, you know, I've got all sorts of experience in life, right? I've been married maybe five years at that point. And, uh, you know, I got a phone call one day of, of, from another bishop letting me know that somebody in my ward has been involved in several affairs with somebody in his ward, right? And so this individual was caught. He comes in. I, I call him in. He knows he's in trouble. Did exactly what you said, Todd. Only shared a very minuscule mm-hmm. amount just yeah. to keep control of the situation, right? Well, with, with counseling with my stake president, it was decided that uh, I, that was, a, you know, an evening that we had that conversation. We, we decided to let the wife get a good night's rest, and then I would go over first thing in the morning 
and and mitigate this this disclosure process as a 28 year old marketing student, right? Or marketing grad, right? <laughs> I look back and it's funny now. Cause I think like, no, like the disclosure part, it's like, it can be to the point of brain surgery. Like you just can't jump in and think, Oh, I'm the disclosure, spiritual disclosure guy. So I'm going to make this happen. And luckily, you know, that marriage did survive. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking zero credit for that, but, but I remember that moment and looking back thinking like, no, like this is the chance to really step back, create some space and involve some professional counseling so that they, you, because there's a, there's a method of going through that disclosure right. process. Absolutely. Right? So when we have someone come in, we want them to start working on their, their disclosure as soon as they can, but it takes about two to four months to really go through the questions and have a really clear and complete disclosure and to have a professional help you. And how are you going to narrate that? And then also you have the spouse who has information. So we have workbooks for both the, the spouse and, and the one struggling to work through, to prepare for that day. And there are so many mistakes with disclosure that cause more trauma. And we'll talk about trauma later on, but there's the wrong, there's the wrong way to do disclosure for sure. And it causes more harm for people. Yeah. And then the lay person would just think that, or the bishop would just think that, oh, good. So now that he's caught or now that he's come, then everything's going to be fine and turned yeah. around. There's no way he's going to act out again. I mean, he's in trouble, right? right? That's right. It's easy to get, and that's where I was too. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so then he'll do what we call spotlighting mm-hmm. on disclosure. He will say just enough to have himself feel a little better, but he doesn't say everything. Uh, because if they really knew me, no one's going to understand this and I'll be all alone. I can't handle another rejection. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. So I've had an example of a guy that was height of his addiction. He's viewing porn once a month and he's serving his elders corn presidency. And his false message on that is if everyone knew I would be excommunicated from the church. Mm-hmm. And it's like most bishops hear that and think, well, no way. Like, no way. Right. So it's like, no, dude, we would love you. Right. Uh-huh. But it's like, but when you're living in that secrecy, yeah. that's the kind of, that's the paradigm you're living yeah. in. I mean, the adversaries got him right with that shame. I mean, he's just buried in that shame that that's what it, where his thought process goes. Right. Totally. And I think like when we get into all these big topics and, and you hear Todd to start talking about, and you're like, this is huge. Like for me, if I were listening to this as a church leader, like I'd feel overwhelmed because as a church leader, like I got to be working with the youth and we got this camp stuff and relief society. Oh yeah. And then we have this topic of pornography and then I'm listening to Kirk's thing and there's apparently all this information I need to know. So I got to go get a master's degree in <laughs> counseling and that like just to know how to handle just the disclose, like it's this overwhelming thing, right? Of like, you have to be the live all end all as you know, the young bishop or elders corn president or wherever you're at dealing with this. And that's, that's where we want to go with this event and this education is like, you really don't mm-hmm. like, we're telling you in, in four, six hours of time, like you will be locked and loaded. Cause that's the big misnomer is, is the Bishop, you have to handle it all, deal with it all. It's like, you really don't, if you have the right education, you're just a piece in their puzzle right. of recovery and you can be just your piece and you don't have to carry their whole thing. And and there's ways that you can connect them and get them the help that they need so that they are being taken care of. They are carried and from therapy to free group to, I mean, there's so much to do. So this yeah. sounds really overwhelming. And that's one of our goals is to be like, no, it's not like you can get some simple training on this and it's going to go so much better. 
when you have these people on your board and these interviews. Yeah, I appreciate that. The thought of, you know, being a piece of their recovery puzzle, because in our culture, in our tradition, the bishop's office feels so much like this is where you rumble. This is where the the atonement happens. When in reality, that's just a checkpoint, right? And a spiritual checkpoint. The atonement is happening, not just when they're in the, the bishop's office, it's happening in counseling and in their connection and their groups and in so many places. And so just realizing, because I remember many times as a bishop feeling like, okay, I have got to, through the powers of my keys and the scriptures and everything, I have got to heal this person through the atonement. And re- in reality, it, you shouldn't put that burden on you right, as a bishop. Right. So think about this. If you're a bishop and you send your ward member to treatment and the therapist there is saying, so your bishop's helping you with this or sent you, great. So I'd like you to go back when, when, how long, how often are you meeting with your bishop? We didn't set another appointment. And so I'm going to say, I want you to, I want you to meet with him like every week, at least the first month. Mm -hmm. And then you can spread that out. But a month should not go by without you just having a check in with your bishop. And when you go in with him, take, take the workbooks, take, take some of your assignments and show him what you're doing. It's another accountability, and it's it's a and it's so nice for the bishop because he doesn't have to. What am I going to say? How are you doing? Um, you praying? And how's it going? That's mm-hmm. it, you know. And then what am I going to say? Yeah, I use the five scriptures that I always go to. <laughs> right. <laughs> and but if the if the ward member is taking their uh, information in and what they're learning, the ward member is going to sink in more with it, and and. You know, when you teach something, you 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 know it better. Yeah, yeah. And the bishop will also understand if the person's married what the what has happened with the spouse. So that's mm-hmm. that's a big story. Yeah, yeah, right. And maybe I want to touch on that just to wrap up. And of course, we could do hours upon hours, and we will talk about disclosure in in some of these some of these events. But as far as like, because obviously it makes sense to really be careful with disclosing affairs or you know sure. if someone's acting out with prostitution, those types totally. of things. But what about the 22-year-old who is, you know, did have a few slip-ups with pornography? Do I really got to, you know, involve counselors and, and all that in that process? Or can I, as a, you know, responsible priesthood holder, be able to so, yeah. process that? Let me, let me, uh, I think it goes on both ends. And this is where education is just important for bishops to understand. So I just met with uh, a young man in the YSA ward in another state, and he's here uh, visiting, and I know his dad. And so... I had a feeling something was going on there. I, I brought him in and he, and he said, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can go on a mission. Why? Well, I, I have this pornography thing and masturbation thing. I can't stop. Are you working with your bishop back in where you live? Yeah. He doesn't know everything though. Like, what do you mean? Well, I told him, I said, here's some things I've done. And the, he kind of stopped me and said, I don't need to know all that. Let's just, let's just get you going. And so he needed to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was as nervous as a cat coming in the day he shared with me on his disclosure. We kind of had to do a rapid one because he was going to leave and go back to his state. And he sat there and then he just got tearful and he goes, I've never said any of this to anybody. Do I save this for my bishop? And I says, you can, you can save some of it for your bishop and do a general. He, he I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, after he was done, he felt so much better, a big weight off of him. And so sometimes we see that end of the spectrum where the bishop is like, hey, 
you don't need to say this to anybody else anymore mm -hmm. and we're done. Let's get you moving on. He needs to follow up with him, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other end of the spectrum, oh boy, I'll see a young adult, 19, 20, 22 year old. Hey, how come you didn't go on a mission? I don't know. He's him nodding around. So why didn't you go on a mission? Well, I didn't think they'd ever let me. What do you mean? Well, our bishop, I just hear, heard through the grapevine and our stake president, like, if you're masturbating, there's no way you're going. Mm. And I, the longest I've ever gone is like three months. And so I figure, well, I'm not going. So I never even tried to go. Yeah. I says, let's get you out there and let's, let's work with your bishop. I think you can go. Uh -huh. So it's both ends of the spectrum. Mm. There's some like, are you kidding me? Let's, if a young man has a compulsive or unwanted sexual behavior going on, he's not going to be healed in three months, but he can be sober for three months. We can get him out on his mission. The structure of the mission can really help him. And he's going to have experiences with the Lord that will be stored for the rest of his life. And when he gets back off his mission, he's going to come in for some help because I know that he's going to go to college. He's going to mess up and he's going to come back in and say, Hey, how do I work on this again? And that's when we can do the long-term treatment and get him going again. So mm -hmm. it takes about two to three years for any addiction to, to be in full recovery. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a, a quick fix. But that's part of the education is like there is a spectrum, right? So like there are some people who are not addicted and they're not going to need three years of treatment or whatever. Yeah. Right. And then there's people like me who have this giant crazy story and it's going to be a journey, yeah. you know? <laughs> But like, that's the goal, right? Like that's the, that's the goal of this event. And we're doing is like to get just those education pieces in, whereas a bishop, you can do the fun part, right? Like when you go to a bishop and you're like, Hey, learn how to handle disclosure. And by the way, you got to take care of the wife. And by the way, but it's like, all that stuff is the stuff you don't really want to do as a bishop. It's like, but our point is like, if you have the education and it's not rocket science, not hard to get, we can do it really fast. Like you don't have to do that part as bishop. You can just be bishop. Mm-hmm. And you can fill them full of hope and you can just use those five scriptures that you have because it turns out those are true right. and the atonement's real, mm -hmm. right? And so you can just be that spiritual piece. I've never once talked to anyone in their church calling that did not want to do that part. Right. Hey, do That's you want to just do yeah. that part, the fun part, the spiritual part? And so, you know, the service with the Lord, although it's it's sacrifice, right? It should be fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And so that's like, my plea is like, church leaders who are like, these interviews are awkward for you. They're hard. They weigh on you. It does not have to be like that. Like there are so many resources. We can get you connected, simple education to where you'll be like happy that you'll have it. Instead of going, dude, this guy just called me and he said something happened. He has to disclose to me, crap, I got to meet this guy now. And you're sitting at work being like, oh, geez, I hate these, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so quickly we can turn that to awesome. I get to meet this guy and give him hope and share my testimony. Dude, it's like, it could get turned around so fast. Yeah. So yeah. we're excited. And, and regardless of what it, the topic is, whether it's disclosure or trauma or uh, that the fact that we can, that you have resources, that then that, that just lightens the burden. Right. And I remember, you know, as a Bishop being on a call with a certain therapist and just saying like, Hey, while I have, you can ask me <laughs> questions. Right. And that was so helpful. And so what we hope to do is create this type of dialogue where we can tackle disclosure or betrayal trauma or these things with, 
a therapist and not just a marketing grad. <laughs> right. That'd be great. Yeah. And, and There's nothing really wrong with in. your marketing degree, Kirk. <laughs> hey, you don't have to worry about it. I mean, it's not as far as a so, healing addiction. Yeah. But I'll tell you what though, Kurt, that the fact that you cared and were kind and loving, that's so big. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think you should have some credit because okay, you probably right, blessed yeah. those people's lives. Okay. Well, yeah. And and all the other bishops, right? Like yeah. you it's like these people care. It's just you're not sure what to say. And that's why and that's why I think this will be cool, right? We're gonna have some education piece, right? So so we're gonna talk about do session about disclosure and talk all about that. Here here's yeah. what you say, here's what you don't say, here's a little education on what's going on, right? Like yeah. Todd said, like whether it's an affair or it's, just a slip it's up. It's super hard for them to tell you the whole truth in one sitting, so don't ask for it. But here's how you can ask for it. It will come out. You can do this, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna have couples come who have been through recovery, right? Who have been through church discipline, who will talk to that experience, you know, who can say, yep. So I've been through three bishops and I've been disfellowshipped or excommunicated. Now we've changed the words, right? The, right. It had my membership removed and whatever. And here was my experience, you know? And so to be able to hear from some people on the other side of the table, I think can be helpful where it's like, I'm not your bishop. So I don't have to worry about the relationship. I can just ask point blank, like, mm-hmm. well, I want to say this, would that have helped you? Yeah, totally. Okay. Then I can go say that to the people in my ward or no, I wouldn't say that. And here's why. Wow. Light bulb moment. And then we have some question and answer. So with us, and you can talk to those couples and, and ask those questions that you have and get dialed in. Yeah. And before we jump into maybe another general topic, just sort of the format of some of these nights. So we'll, we'll probably pick a, a night in, during a week, a weeknight. I think we're starting in June with Wednesday. Yep. And uh, we'll start with just an educational component. And here's Here's some bullet points about this disclosure, whatever it is. Two hours. It's not going to be some four hour long haul, right? right. Still dinner with the family. We get it, right? right. How how time works and it's important. So yeah, we'll do, you know, we'll we'll pick the topic, you know, each of the three weeks. So disclosure, like I said, right? And we'll we'll go through that and Todd and I can outline. And again, we're not like, we're going to give you all the information, right? So we can send you home with the information. Um, You can reach back out to us, whatever. And then we're going to have, you know, a couple there. And we'll kind of brief their story and say, hey, in a two-minute synopsis, here's their story. And then let them talk about just their experience around working with church leaders. Here's you know, what my elders quorum president did that was really good. And just share their true experience of what happened, right? Mm-hmm. And so here's the good, here's the bad, you know, here's what I'd say. And then just allow for some question and answer. So both you know, questions for Todd that you can answer and myself, and then also for that couple. Yeah. And just a, another shameless plug for your podcast, like one thing that's really helped me you know, as a, as a leader listening to your podcast, just hearing stories, I'm amazed at just how, how helpful hearing the story is thinking, Oh, you know, I had, I hadn't thought about that component. I didn't realize he was in that place and I was thought he was in a different place. Right. And so stories are powerful. So we're going to definitely involve that in this process. So presentation story, and then a Q and a portion for, for leaders. Right? right. Yeah. So, and a lot of things that the spouse it's just lack of education for the bishops. A lot of the spouses that come in with all oh, good now. Okay. Now that he's come out of the closet, so to speak, and has come forward. I'm good. Now let's, let's work on forgiving him. And she is totally disrupted. Her whole entire world is turned upside down. Yeah. Like and and everything the, the leader affected. wants to focus on, well, you need to forgive him. We need to move fast yeah, past this, right. but there's so much trauma there that right. she can't. Right. And so I'll have uh, a couple come in and so like church discipline. So when did this happen? About a year and a half ago. Oh, and what's happened since? We haven't heard anything. Mm. And so then I have to help the 
church member or the past church member, right? Mm-hmm. Be proactive and hey, let's get you back in so you can start working on maybe getting rebaptized. Mm-hmm. And I talked to the wife, have his the bishop or stake president talked to you not once. It's like, oh no. Yeah. And they feel so betrayed by that. Right. And the, in reality, the stake president, whatever, he's just busy or he doesn't know. Oh, yeah. I don't no know what blame. to say. So we might as well, we'll, we'll touch base later, yeah, right? right? Well, that was my bishop with my wife, right? My a bishop, my ward, we talked about him. I'm like, yeah, you got to meet with my wife. And he's like, okay. And he sat down and Kayla has, has been around the block, has some education uh-huh. and knows. And so he's kind of sitting there and she's like, this is super awkward for you, isn't it? He's like, yes, thank you for saying that. I'm not sure what to say and I'm not sure what to do here. So we're going to talk about it and then we're going to have some of those women come in Mm -hmm. and just tell you point blank, hey, I'm the woman who sat on the other side of the table and this is what I wish my bishop would have said to me or this is what they did say that was super helpful. So we're going to arm you with that information so you can Mm. do what you want to do, right? Share your testimony, right? Be the part of the bishop that's that's the fun, the filling part, knowing that you're making a difference, knowing that you are right? Being a shepherd, right? Being a light. So yeah. Another one that education would just help a ton on is, so like the ARP. Mm -hmm. So addiction recovery program is what those initials are. Right. And I'm going, oh no, don't call it that. Oh, well, they're calling it that. They printed the manual. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so there was a lawsuit, not in our state, but in another state, a bishop referred the member to the ARP, so the Addiction Recovery Program, which is a support group. It's a 12-step support group. It is not a program. Mm. Now, it's a program of the church, so I can see why they call it that. So the, the member of the ward thought he was going to a sex addiction recovery program all of this time, and the court system, when they wanted notes on his treatment and all that kind of stuff. What are you talking about? And that guy got in trouble because he had not followed the court orders, but he thought he was in a program. Oh, like a court order to be in a program. Yeah. And he thought right. the ARP yeah, was Yeah, I didn't a explain program. that very good in the beginning. Okay. And so then there's a lawsuit against the church. The, oh, wow. the guy was so mad. Yeah. But the bishop didn't know. The bishop thought it was a program. Because it says a program. treatment program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's just an education thing. Yeah, yeah. So the ARP is a 12-step program. There's like in, in Utah, we have like three choices of the 12-step program. Mm-hmm. And people fit better in one or the other, and they can decide and go. So ecclesiastical support, 12-step support, treatment support. What does this person need? And what's going to be good for their recovery? All that we want to educate the bishops on where yeah. to go for help. And there's a lot of good therapists out there, not just in, not just Lifestar. Yeah. There's other places that are doing really good work. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect segue to like what this is we're doing. Like even this, this night, it's not a program. It's not a training. It's just, a, it's a support group. You know, yeah. you, you can come. We're not handing out certificates if you come so many times or right. it's just like, you can come here. Here's, I mean, unless you want one, if someone yeah. wants one, we'll make you one. We can find, <laughs> Kurt, we can we'll find give one. you one. Okay. Thank you. But just to come and, and get that support you need. I just, I have a question, you know, this is, a, let me tell right. you about a general experience I'm having. What, what, oh, what should I say? Totally. Right? You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and hearing these stories uh, will give us sort of, you know, you don't even have to share, obviously, your 
the situations that you're dealing with as a leader, it can be, let's just talk about this couple here and what they went through and see what you learn. Right. So I'm wondering about, you know, we want to have people come in live, but how many uh, downloads have you had on your podcast, Kurt? This one's going to break records. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, yeah, there's a lot. You're kind of shy. This guy's amazing. (laughs) I'll go on. I'm I'm sitting here (laughs) with a famous man, actually over I'm close, two famous close people. Three hundred so one up close to three hundred or three, three million. I was going to say three hundred million. million. Oh, three hundred million. <laughs> the whole country is listening. Yeah. <laughs> so three million downloads coming up right now. Over two hundred thousand a a month. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to comment on your podcast, the difference you're making and a million people's lives, more than that. But I, I want to thank you for your yeah. work that you're doing. So my question is, we want to do a live so we can mm-hmm. have some good interaction. How do we do that with the bishop that lives in Canada or in New York that wants to listen in and ask questions? Yeah. So uh, our plan is to, we're, we're definitely going to record it and make it available streaming will definitely be an option. There's sometimes some hiccups with that. Streaming live. We can stream it. It may not be like top-notch quality, but you'll be able to hear and understand and submit questions. And so, uh, yeah, this is, obviously we're going to do it, do it live. And uh, First Wednesday in June. That's right. First Wednesday in June and is when we'll start. And then we'll probably do a couple. Three weeks. Three weeks. And then we'll, and we'll kind of repeat that, right? Because there's, you know, some of those main topics we'll stay on, but different Q&A, different stories. Until we've covered it all, right? Until we've covered it all. Well, <laughs> or, until or people just. quit getting called into, you know, church leadership, because it's it's been an interesting experience for me to go speak in some wards and, and to meet a lot of different church leaders or get emails at Unashamed, you know, with people talking about it. And, um, you know, it's been interesting. So my neighbor's my friend, right? And our family's hanging out, we do stuff. And so to see just my friend get called as bishop and then to have the, and he doesn't tell me anything confidential or anything, right? Like, yeah. But to just watch him, he's a contractor. He builds buildings. And now he's taking on being a bishop, which is like 15 different jobs. Mm-hmm. And I look at him and honestly, like anyone serving in any calling in the church, like Steve Shields loves you and my heart goes out to you. Whether you're teaching primary or you're the stake president and every calling in between, like it's tough. You're trying to put your heart out there and to help people. And like, how do you do that? And so often there's that feeling of, frustration or sometimes shame or gosh, if I could be doing better and whatever. And so, I mean, that's the the conversations we've had, Kurt, and the conversations I've had with Todd is it's like, man, these people are doing a great work serving in the church and we just want to help them. Like if we can just help you. And so that's, you know, it's not to hand you some resources and steer you into some certain program. This isn't because we want you to do something a certain way. It, it's none of that. It's there's some basic education here and I will be very surprised if someone comes and goes, oh, that's not that helpful. That's not yeah. going to help me with the people I'm interviewing yeah. in the next month. Yeah. And it's not just for leaders. I mean, a parent or anybody is welcome to come oh, absolutely. And, and yep. or watch online um, yep. or review the, the recording. And it needs to be said, we're recording this in May in 2020 and whatever we obviously will follow any of the guidelines from the state. You know, if, if only 20 people can come, we'll cut it off at 20 and then yep. broadcast the rest or maybe we'll, we're at 50 people at that point. I don't know. So right. we'll follow those yeah. and make sure everybody's safe and give yep. elbow bumps or <laughs> lots of hand sign, sanitizer on yep. site. But I'm glad you said that about the, you know, the Bishop's profession and, you know, yeah, I'm a plumber and I love the Lord. I was called to be a Bishop 
we're all volunteers, right? In the church. We don't, we're not expected to know everything. And this is a kind of a cliff notes or a good way to kind of get informed. And so you can feel confident about what you're going to do with that person that comes to you with this unwanted sexual behavior Mm -hmm. that's been going on in their life and their wife doesn't know yet. Or what do we, what do I do? Ah, and then I'm going to call the stake president. And if the stake president's brand new, he's been a bishop, probably he'll have some knowledge, but maybe not. Right. And you just don't know that. Yeah. And that's the other thing we've sort of touched on this is coming to these events. Our intent is not to make you the expert or leaving here. We're going to talk about disclosure so that you'll be able to handle this perfectly. But the way I see it is, you know, uh, uh, we're never intending to make the the church leader the expert, but we're going to create, make them the resource like guru. Like I have all sorts of resources here. I know mm-hmm. where to send you to go check this out. And there's nothing more hopeful of a person walking in the bishop's office who has no hope and sees stacks, you know, sees the bishop just start stacking things on the desk. Oh, you can read this and this and, oh, have you looked at this program? Oh, go to this website. And then they feel like, oh, wow, like this was really helpful. I know where to start. And that may lead to, you know, appointments with therapists or whatever it is. Right. And we'll, and we'll cover in there about how you kind of do the resource thing, right? We're not going to hand you this giant stack of stuff and be like, good luck going through that. That should take about 200 hours, right? (laughs) Like a good example, I, I tell church leaders with counselors, is it super easy, right? I need a good couples counselor. Okay, this person. So I call, you know, Jan, the counselor. Hey, Jan, can I talk to you for 10 minutes? I'm a bishop. I promise you, Jan will talk to you for 10 minutes Uh for free, 15 minutes. So you call Jan. Hey, Jan, what do you do? I heard you're a couples counselor. Tell me in like five minutes what you do. I do this. Okay, I've got couples struggling with this. Can you help them? Yes or no? Yeah, I can. And if you feel the warm and fuzzies as the church leader of, I think that's a good counselor, then send them there. And then when they go to Jan, when they come back, go, hey, how's Jan the counselor? And if they're like, you know, maybe not fit for me or whatever, send two or three people to Jan. And if all three people are like, Jan doesn't, Jan's lame. Quit sending people to Jan. Uh If all three people are like, dude, Jan is like changing our marriage. She's the best. You keep sending people to Jan, right? Right. Like it's, and so, but a lot of bishops know they're like, well, how do I do counselors or whatever? I've had multiple bishops like, wait, you can just call them and they'll just talk to you and tell you what they do. And like, yeah. yeah. So, so, so it's like, get, it's simple yeah. things like that, Kurt. Like this isn't like someone needs to go get hundreds of hours of education. This is like in a very short time frame, your effectiveness as a, as a bishop will go way up. Mm-hmm. That's our goal, right? Is to help you go away. And yeah. so you can just do the fun part, right? So, you're yeah, the resource so guru, Steve, full of hope. You're talking about something that just coming up for me right now that, that I think it'd be good for bishops to know, which we'll cover. In, and that is these guys that are struggling with that unwanted sexual behavior are not going to want to go anywhere. They especially are not going to want to go to a group with a bunch of other men that <laughs> masturbate. Like, are you kidding me? Right. And, and so they will resist that and they will smooth it over and they will manage the outcome of that. I'm good. I'm taking care of it. And so we're going to do training on that on how, so the bishop can kind of see what's really going on. Yeah. And that's why a lot of uh, okay. Hey, thanks for coming in. Then you're good. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm done with this. Okay. And yeah. that's it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, cool. So as we wrap up here, obviously we've, we've plugged, this is going to be great. It's gonna be awesome. It, we can't wait. Right. I mean, Steve's bringing brownies. It's going to be great. I will bring brownies if someone wants them. <laughs> they will be made by Kayla, by the maybe, way. She's maybe, much better. At maybe wait till August. Still, maybe yeah. things have cleared up, but Don, give us, let's just end on, maybe give us some thought and perspective on, on trauma and what, 
where do we begin to understand trauma and, and yeah. what that looks like in the bishop's office of some of these compulsions? So trauma, by the way, Steve, when a bishop refers someone to a therapist, if they're not aware of grief work or trauma work in their line of doing therapy, and they're kind of go, um, kind of, I would avoid it's a red them. flag. It's yeah. like 75% of us in America will experience major trauma in our lifetime. So the lucky 25% is not going to experience major trauma, but probably have smaller trauma. Everybody's going to experience trauma in their life. You said earlier in the podcast, Steve, about the addicts, the person struggling with the sexual compulsion, that they're traumatized too. And to have a sexual compulsive behavior is traumatizing. It's like, crap, what am I going to do now? And then when this comes out, there's just a ton of trauma. Trauma is when you have an event or a series of events that are overwhelming to your system, emotionally, physically, spiritually, that you cannot face head on, boom, trauma. And your functioning goes, it's gone. And so for the spouses dealing with a, a husband, when there's a discovery of the addiction, their whole world just turns upside down. Everything that I thought I had, is that true anymore? What about my future? What's it going to be like now? And I remember one gal, married, she has three little kids, husband's going through law school, and she's taking the littlest to daycare and the other two to elementary school. It's wintertime. She starts the car. She forgot the diaper bag. She goes back in the house. The car's running. The kids are out there. She puts the diaper bag down in front of her on, in the uh, entryway of the house. And she goes, I cannot remember what goes in my diaper bag. She's done it a million times, literally. Like she's got two other kids that have had the diaper bag routine. And you and I would know, we, all three of us would know, hey, formula, change of clothes, wipes, diapers, let's go. And she's paralyzed. Trauma disrupts every aspect of your life. Parenting, daily activities, hygiene, sleep, communication. And then who do I tell? I can't go to my neighbors. I have now couples shame. If they find out about my husband, I don't really want to break up my family. Ah, what do I do? Mm -hmm. There's no place for them to go. Yeah. And if they get educated about trauma, there's some automatic relief. Oh, that's why. So I'm not weird. Yeah, I'm not crazy. Hear that a lot from wives. I thought I was crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, you look at some of the trauma behaviors and the, the way that they re respond to trauma. So our first line of defense is social engagement. When we have challenging stressors in our life, Social engagement is our first line of defense. We go to others. We go to our closest person that is there for us. If your house burns down and you go there and you're watching the fire trucks put out your house, who are you going to go to? Your spouse, right? They're sitting right next to you and there's some support. Well, we can rebuild. And this time I want to walk in closet, <laughs> right? <laughs> if the trauma is caused by the one that you go to mostly for support. It's like worse. Mm. What do you do then? And so the second line of defense is fight or flight. Everybody's kind of heard those, the order of things. 
And that is the nervous system that is way activated. It gets overactive. And if we saw videotapes of people in trauma response and overactivity, we would think, well, maybe she is crazy. How would you like, no, she's not. She can't help it. It's like, I'm trying to find safety somewhere and I can't. And so I'm losing it. Third line of defense, freeze, collapse, appease, boom, and go out, go down into that state of our nervous system. And we just, it's like heavy depression. Yeah. And I'm just going to put my head in the sand. I can't do this. Yeah. So that's kind of, it's like a really tough issue. Yeah. And, and that's the thing where, you know, as a leader, we see that and we think, well, you know, let's get you a blessing, you know, which would be appropriate and we'll get you a priesthood blessing and let's, you know, come to church and let's just focus on the scriptures. And, but it's just like depression or diabetes where like there's a physical component here yeah. that needs to be addressed or else they won't even be able to connect with the spirit to feel that spiritual no. healing and redemption. Right? So I had some major trauma in my life. And I was in a high council at the time. Uh, Kurt, I went a year not feeling the spirit. It's, it was the oddest thing that I, and I think I needed to experience that so I could have some compassion for some of my clients, right? Mm -hmm. But I could not get in touch with that. And so I just trusted that it's going to come back. And I've, I kept going forward, doing the things I'm doing, right? Yeah. Giving talks in church and doing all that kind of stuff. And, uh, it came back, mm. but I had to go get some help for the trauma. Yeah. It, it, it overpowered my system. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so, um, ubiquitous that in some cases where, you know, we may see someone in our ward go through a dramatic faith crisis and we're thinking, well, Hey, come in, let's talk about Joseph Smith's polygamy for a minute. Right. But <laughs> right. What, in reality, they're responding to maybe a traumatic event. They haven't been able to feel the spirit. So then they're thinking I'm out like, right. and now yeah. they're, then they're using maybe some historic concerns that right. way. And again, I don't want to minimize anybody's experience, but that that's sort of how trauma can manifest itself when uh, we don't even realize right. that and, the trauma is yeah, right. the issue. And, and trauma is tagged in our system. And unless we, get some help for that and release it therapeutically, it stays. Mm -hmm. And then you have an event in the future as you're living that reminds your body of that. Like my husband's late coming home from work and I can't get a hold of him on his cell phone. And the cell phone doesn't even show up on Friend Finder. Mm -hmm. Well, the husband, there was a major wreck on the freeway and his teenage son took his charger out of the car and his phone is like jacked up anyway. The battery goes dead fast. He can't even call home to tell his wife he's late. Uh -huh. It doesn't matter the intent. It doesn't yeah. matter the rationale. That uh, trauma is still she, real. Right? She is activated. She can't even remember what she's cooking that night. Because that feeling looks the same mm -hmm. as when he didn't come home because he was having an affair. Yeah. And so she's triggered. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so then the fight begins. Come home. He can feel instantly what's up. What do you mean? What's up? You know, what's up, you know, uh Oh, here we go. Yeah. We go through all that in the training to help bishops understand it. And one of the best things a bishop could do is be kind to, if there's trauma, kindness is the best thing. It is essential. Yeah. Especially for those who aren't the expert, but don't yeah. know what to do. Like, well, I'm just going to be with this person and be really kind mm -hmm. and loving and, right. and we'll get through this as I refer them to, a number of resources that I, right. I learned, right? Well, and pulling that stuff out of the way, you know, is really going to heal the trauma for that person, right? Kirk, all I do is just record people's stories. Mm -hmm. I've heard tons of people's stories. I've not 
once met a spouse or an addict who had recovery happen, like real recovery, real change, that God was not a huge component of that. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the beautiful part, right? Those are the meetings you want to have as a church leader is those meetings where the spirit does come back. You know, I would have wanted to be, you know, Todd's church leader for those moments that the spirit came back into his life and he came back online and reconnected. Like there's beauty in this whole thing. And so that's, yeah, resource the other stuff out, right? The stuff that's just keeping the person from getting to the door, right? I stand at the door and knock. Mm-hmm. The therapy and all of that, so like that's to get that out of the way so they can open the door. Yeah. As the bishop, you can be there at the door opening moments, right? As as a spiritual leader with the, with the priesthood keys, right? So those moments you're talking about of giving a blessing and those like, those can be huge, right? Just those moments get pushed to the side when the trauma's taken out and you're sitting there as a church leader going, gosh, I don't know what to say. And I'm, I'm avoiding meeting with these people. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to right. send them. And it's, not, and it's not your job to fix it. No. Yeah. And so yeah. it, it wouldn't it be nice to have them come in and say, so I want to know what the Lord's been working with you on. What is he, what is he trying to teach you? What are you learning with that, your, in your treatment? Yeah. Tell me, tell me more. Help me, help me understand what the Lord's doing with your life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And, and just let's be honest about it, right? Like you're my bishop in my ward. He's a contractor. And now he has to deal with like everyone in my ward's issues. Like that can be traumatizing in and of itself. Like his marriage has like half the time it had now of time he has to spend with his wife and kids. Right. Cause he has a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And so like being a Bishop, being in a relief site presidency, elders quorum, right? Like that's a lot to ask of an individual and it's hard. So frankly, that can be traumatizing. Just being a bishop and having to hold all of that and sit with that can be traumatizing and hard. And so let's make it easier. Yeah. Our mission is to give back to, and to help and, and that bishops where they, where they can go for help, reduce some of their feeling of pressure that they have to have the right answer. And it won't take much education to kind of help them relax. And where do I go from here? And the results of that are a lot of the ward members are going to benefit and bless their life. So I promise there's some stuff that will help you. That concludes my discussion with Todd Olson and Stephen Shields. Bless their hearts. Uh, Appreciate them coming on and uh, being a part of this and also helping us put this event together, partnering with us to bring uh, rich resources to Latter-day Saints who are trying to serve those who struggle with pornography or with some form of sexual addiction. I also need to mention that Steve, if you're not aware, he has a phenomenal, can I repeat, phenomenal podcast himself called Unashamed, Unafraid, where he shares stories of addicts in recovery. And uh, it is so inspiring, so spiritual, and definitely helpful for leaders to uh, subscribe to that because you get a consistent perspective of what addicts are going through. And it, it will help you better as a leader when you interact and try and, uh, you know, mentor individuals going or trying to overcome a a, a sexual addiction of some form, right? All right. So if you do want to be a part of this uh, Leading Saints Live with Lifestar, you need to uh, go to leadingsaints.org slash subscribe. Just put your email in there and then we'll be sure to notify you as far as the registration process. At the time of this recording, I'm in the process of creating a a landing page so you can register, but uh, it's been a crazy week. All right. But uh, anyways, so leadingsaints.org slash subscribe so that you don't miss the opportunity to either attend in person or watch the streaming opportunity online. And of course, it'll be recorded so you'll be able to capture it or view it at another time. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 
and join the Core Leader community today. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.